All right. Will Slend up. Oh, yeah. I'm herped up. Ew, it's disgusting. Green and Lewis, baby. We're Ew, back. This is disgusting. I'm so excited. Ugh. This is the rare instance, you know? I feel like we need to take these breaks, like, every month. Just do one episode a month uh, so that I get pumped to pod. I feel like... so much to talk to, about too to the life know. stuff your car exploded it's, you know a whole uh-huh. lot of shit happened it's nice to take breaks so that a series of negative things happen to you so you can complain about and it then yeah you have life experience to draw on oh yeah it's absolutely worth it you know that that 30 bucks a month on our patreon that just goes right back into the fees of creating this that's what we do it for mm. it's worth a broken car I have so much to say about the car. Do you have a car now is the main question. I don't. No, (gasps) I currently do not. Ew. Let's get right into it with the car, man. Gross. I know. Your car exploded. I'm back. Or she finally fell apart. Yeah. I'm back to being a fucking monster. Believe me, it doesn't feel good. I feel caged like an animal. So do you have to like be like a plebe and like get your groceries like on the subway like a normal? This is honestly the biggest point of contention with the car is grocery shopping. Thank God. My significant other works right next to a Trader Joe's. Oh. So she's been picking up the slack, but I think she's feeling the strain of having to grocery shop multiple times well, a week. Well, you have to do it then multiple times a yep. week, and that just sucks. And no more canned seltzer because it's too heavy to take on the train. Buy it at Bodega. Don't be a bitch. Pay so, more. you know, I don't know. And I've been grocery shopping a little bit at the places near us. But yes, honest to God, this is the worst part. That and getting to my studio have become real problems now. Yeah. It's no longer just a little quick quick trip in the car. Although I don't miss parking it. I do have to say, I, I almost immediately reacclimated to that and said, oh. Wow, this is nice. You've never known that life. No. But uh well, it's I did. Great. I did. There was that those two glorious years we said, eh, is it the street any dirtier? You know what? It wasn't. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, all right. L- I gotta start from the beginning with yeah. the car, with the story of how the car broke. I'm actually excited about recent developments. It's funny that you should ask me whether or not I have a car. Mm. But we'll get there. You gonna buy one? Perhaps. Okay. So, you know, I g- the story itself is not that majestic. It's you know, there's not much to tell. We drove all the way to Philly. Thank God nothing happened on the way there. But I could feel that car was tired. But car gets tired uh, on long drives now. Well. Or was tired on long drives all the time. It just gets creaky. Did you die some somewhere in Pottstown or something, Pennsylvania? No, I was not that. F- I was in Philadelphia still. Oh, okay. I was in a suburb of Philadelphia. Mm. So we made it all the way there, and we get there, and you know, of course, we're hanging out with family. It's Thanksgiving. We don't leave the house much, but one day we decide we're going to drive to the park and uh, take a little walk, just to you know, walk off the turkey and the cheesesteaks and the pizza. And the au jus dip sandwiches and the chicken cutlets. I mean, I've been eating like shit, man. Just since then, pretty much. But anyway, so we go to the park. Re drives the car. She wanted to practice the car in Philadelphia, and that was the car's last journey. I I mean, I guess in a... We killed the car? Uh, She didn't kill it. She didn't do nothing. I mean, it was half dead, but... But I guess in a technical sense, I was the last person to drive the car. But it only made it... mm, thousand feet before the problem made itself evident in fact it didn't even make it a thousand feet it made it down the driveway and then i chose to say well let's just keep trying this and a thousand feet later i was like this is not safe but we'll get to that part of (laughs) it so 
redrives the car. And the reason I mention that is it's very cute. She was taking all these pictures looking like my Soprano's wife. And I was very proud of her for, you know, nutting up and driving the car. Mm. And she did well. And we were all like, this is a new chapter, you know. We're going to practice the car. You're going to get to move the car, you know. You can use the car you on your own. You can use the car yeah. on your own. This is a whole new, a whole new thing for us. This yeah. is great. Thank God we took that trip of 40 miles that day or whatever, you know, yeah. driving. Because if this had happened in the middle of 95, what happened to the car? Ooh, it would have disaster. been a completely different situation. It's a very expensive tow. Ask me how I know. So when Ree pulls <clears throat> into, the, into the driveway, Ree's parents have a very uh, steep, weird, you know, driveway on a hill kind mm-hmm. of a situation. She pulls in and she's like backing into the space that's off to the side. And there is a weird noise. And I'm like, what was that? And we're both just like, I don't know. It seems fine. You know, put the car in park. My car makes noises all the time. Yeah. What is it? It was kind of like just a like a clunk, like something had fallen off the car. Mm. But I looked underneath and nothing had fallen off. So I was like, I don't know. Who knows? Could be something falling out of a tree. I have no idea. Right. Didn't think anything of it. Next day, when I get in the car and I take it down the driveway, as soon as I get down the street, I immediately notice that my steering wheel is at a 45 degree angle when my wheels are straight and i go this is no good you know oh this can't be so i thought it was like a problem with the power steering which is why i chose to continue because sometimes if you park on a weird angle or you have your tires turned overnight the steering wheel kind of stays that way it should adjust itself back well like kind of herky jerks back, but it's herky jerky and i thought oh maybe if i just drive in a straight line for a second it'll kind of come back to true and we'll be fine right get to a stop sign 500 feet down the road definitely not there is a major problem and then when i start turning the wheel left to right to make a left turn where we're going i start to notice there's like a scraping sound on the front right as if the tire is hitting the wheel well oh and the steering wheel is not only not realigning itself it's getting worse and worse so it's very disorienting to drive a car where the steering wheel is a bumper car not in the right orientation yeah it's incredibly unsafe so I finally get to a parking lot, you know, another 500 feet down the road, and I stop and get out. My front tire is not quite at a 45-degree angle, and I'm not talking about uh, parallel to the wheelbase, you know, as yeah. if in a turn. I mean 45-degree angle to the side. Huh? Like, if you're if you're picturing it parallel to the ground. So, like, the axle itself has gone oopsies? Yeah. So I think what had happened was the sound the night before was the subframe of my car cracking. Oh. Because that's the diagnosis I ended up getting. Now, we're sitting in the parking lot. I don't have AAA. Turns out I did have roadside assistance, but that was not clear on my insurance information. Mm. So we use Ree's parents' AAA because she's on the policy, and even if you're a a passenger in the car, it counts. Yeah, yeah. So we call AAA. AAA says they'll be there in an hour. Meanwhile, uh, Ree's, you know, in-laws have gotten wind of this event while we're sitting there waiting for the tow truck. So her brother-in-law, with his mechanic, who's his neighbor, shows up, and he gives it a look. And these guys are, like, two pretty big, you know, working-class Philly dudes. They're literally, like, rocking the car back and forth, like, physically outside of the car to, like, test what's going on. They're turning the steering wheel violently. I was like, whatever is broken is worse now. Well... Probably, but they seemed to know what they were doing. Yeah. So long story short, the guy crawls under the car after doing a series of tests and takes a video and shows me the video. And he's like, this is how rusty your car is. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And he's like, this is the part that's broken. And it's the control arm that connects the wheel to the frame. Oh. Or, you know, 
somewhere in that joint. And he's like, yeah, I mean, that's so rusty under there that this is a $500 part, but frame issues in general aren't fixable um, because even if you could somehow secure the part, they're going to charge you an arm and a leg for labor because they have to take the entire car apart, entire front end, oh, right. and take the engine out and all this shit just to get to that. And then, even if they can get to that, it's so rusty under there, they're inevitably going to break other parts, taking it off. Oh. And now you're in for that. And if they get through that whole process and try to go weld it back together and the welds won't hold because it's rusty, uh, now you're going to have to pay them several thousand dollars and your car is still totaled. So I don't recommend you do anything about this. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting there waiting for the tow truck. And, he, and I'm like, so, yeah, I'd already talked to my dad on the phone at this point. We're talking about scrapping the car because it was clear to me it was a, a structural problem, not a mechanical issue. Right. It's fucked. So the, the mechanic guy's like, I'll just scrap it for you right now. You know, it's not safe to drive on the highway, but if you can drive it down the street to X location, I'll just come pick it up tomorrow. I'll take it away for free. But, like, he's not offering me any money. Oh. Well. So I'm like, you know, AAA is already on their way. I trust you and everything, guy I just met, but I'd like to get a diagnostic up on the lift. Maybe I'll luck out. Right. And they'll say it's $1,000. Yeah. Because that was my red line. If it was under $1,000 or near $1,000, I was just going to do it because mm-hmm. I love the car so much. I know that's like a very poor investment. Yeah. I would put that amount of good money after bad, though. You know what I mean? Mm, right. That was my line. Yeah. So I'm like, I I just hope I luck out. Turns out I don't luck out. I wait for the tow truck that said it was going to be there in an hour for like an hour and a half until finally I just walk back to Rhee's parents' house. By this time, she'd gone back with her brother-in-law, taken all the stuff. That's the other important note we had a full car Oof. entirely full of all of our laundry including bed sheets yeah. other linens you know towels we had all of our laundry with us N- not to mention the inevitable several bag loads of glassware we get sent back with every time we visit philadelphia it's nice stuff but uh her family's got a thing for glass that's all i'll say about that okay not to mention you know our regular bags and everything. literally the entire car is full so Brother-in-law takes Reed in the full car back to the house. I'm waiting for the tow truck. Time's passing. Tow truck doesn't come for five hours uh-huh. is the bottom line. But thank God we were near enough that, you know, I went back. And I was like, well, I'm not driving anywhere tonight. Like, let's drink. So I had a whiskey, you know. Finally, they take it to AAA. But by this time, the AAA center is closed. Because this happened in the middle of the day initially. I was hoping to get it looked at in one day so I could at least find out what, was what are we on? doing yeah. here. But now it's like, fuck, okay. So it's stuck at AAA until Monday. This was Saturday. Um, They're not open Sundays. Shocked to learn that, yeah. So I'm like, great. That's going to be stuck at AAA until Monday. I'll be back in New York by that time. Like, now I have to deal with this virtually, which is a whole Super fun. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, if I really luck out, I don't really have a problem with it. Because worse comes to worse, I take a two and a half hour train ride, pick my car up and drive it home. Just take a day off work and do that. Yeah. That's worth it for the car. And then, you know, if I have to scrap it, I mean, I guess I'm going to learn how that process works. Right. So cut to Monday. I finally get a call from AAA and they're like, yeah, um, it's definitely a frame problem. There might be other problems, but like, I'm not even going to quote you on this because no one will do this work and it's not worth it. Oh, well, we love a straight shooter. Uh, Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. Um, Well, what's the protocol here? You know, because yeah. I'm not I'm from out of state. I, by the way, I had taken the license plates off the car because 
since I figured it was probably going to be scrap, I took all the identifying information with me. Oh. Because the last thing you want to have happen is have to go down to Philly just to pick up your plates or trust oh. some random mechanic to mail them to you. Otherwise, people are going to be joyriding on Ron's insurance policy. Ew. So there's no identifying marks on this car. Got it. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, how does this work? You know, like, and he's like, well, I'll scrap it for you. And I'm like, any monies, please? And he's like, no. Like, it's taking up space in my lot. Like, if you want to get rid of it, I'll get rid of it. You just have to send me the title, but I'm not offering you anything. Yeah. Flashback to the to the Saturday before. The tow truck driver that finally showed up in the middle of the night to pick up my car in the defunct parking lot is like, oh, you're going to scrap this? Don't scrap this. You know, you could probably get this fixed. People will fix this up and sell it for three grand. My boss might even be interested, you know? I can't do the accent, but again, just very Philly, boss. if you can picture yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I mean you know still take it to AAA. I want them to check it out but like give me give me a card yeah and I'll let you know so when AAA, this is now Monday again when AAA says we're not going to give you any money whip out that business card call up Joe Ricky's transportation services and say hey uh I talked to one of your drivers about a Ford Escape with a frame issue he said you might offer me some money to just scrap it and he goes oh yeah sure I can offer you like three or three or four hundred bucks we just got to take a look I'm thinking, okay, I mean, sure, that's better than nothing. And yeah. having to pay for a tow truck, mm-hmm. fine. I'm not expecting much anyway. So I called Joe Ricky the next day. He hasn't picked it up yet. I call him the day after that. He hasn't picked it up yet. Thankfully, AAA is not making an issue of this <coughs> and getting on my case. I think they probably just have such volume coming that they're not even really aware anymore that that car is sitting there. I also feel like in a place like Philly, you don't call AAA you call your cousin Tony, Vinny, Lenny, Benny. You know what? That's probably true. You know? Maybe they're not as busy You're as... not a pussy bitch who mm. doesn't know how to fix their, your car. You know what? That's you know a... someone who does. I had, a mecha- I had a local mechanic on the scene that I had never met in minutes. Correct. As opposed to AAA, which takes days and hours. So you're probably right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Absolutely. So Joe, Joe Ricky's transportation services, they're, it's weird because they're answering my phone calls. They're not like ducking me right. by any means, but they're just not picking up the car. Mm. So eventually, I have another trip to go on the following weekend. So now it's Thursday. I'm on my way to Pennsylvania. I make one last vain effort to call and say, are you going to pick this up or what? He finally doesn't answer my call. And I'm like, well, now I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania with spotty service. I can't do anything about this till Monday finally i call him monday he's like oh yeah hey man how you doing i picked up the car this morning i'm like you know you can were you gonna tell me that you picked up the car with no plates that like belongs like it's so it's just so weird like he didn't think anything of it and he was a very nice guy on the phone but i'm like joe like thanks for letting me know the fuck yeah yeah so i'm like okay like you know i'll get you the title he was very easy to work with in that sense if you ever have to scrap a car i think this is worth knowing especially maybe in your case because one of these days I don't need not to scrap a car in Philly, I don't think. The point is, if you ever need to do it, don't go out of your way to be around. You don't really need to. Like, wherever it breaks down and they tow it to, just, like, call some guy, get him to scrap it, and mail them the title. Because my biggest fear this whole time was, great, I'm going to have to take the title to Philadelphia and hand it to a guy because, you know, on a title it has the owner of the vehicle's name and the person you're giving the title to. Right. Both people have to sign it. You have to get it notarized. There's all this stuff to it. And neither me or my dad, my dad's the holder of the title, obviously, 
had any idea like how this is going to work. Is Ron going to have to fucking get on a plane to Philadelphia to like get a notarized title and sign it no, with this guy? No, 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 no. But no, you don't have to do that. And so turns out he's like, no, just mail me the title. Uh, here's the, you know, here's the mileage. Put the value as zero. This is the name of my LLC. Address it all to me and leave my signature blank. Get it notarized. Mail it to me. Done deal. Which leaves the open question of, do we put money in escrow or how does this work? Because now we're mailing, you know, we're mailing you a legal document. You owe me three hundred dollars. What, are, you know, how do we? Is there any collateral involved? Like, how do we do this? Granted, you're not, no, you're not playing the collateral game with the stakes of that transaction. Fr- are no, 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 are not that high for three hundred bucks. Too, it's like, eh. if you get it, it's a bonus. If you don't. Well, from my Water end, under the bridge. Exactly. From my end, at the end of the day, this dude went out of his way to tow this thing. That's yeah. already an expense. If that's I never, bucks right there. If I never see any money and the, you know, he crushes the car for me, that's... Who cares? What can yeah. I expect? Anyway, finally, I'm like, so what, you know, what are we going to do about money? He's like, oh, you have Cash App? I'm like, yeah. He's like, mm, I trust you. I'll just send you the money right now. Just give me your word that you'll have it in the mail and I'll get it before the end of the week. Oh. And I was like, okay, done deal. And he he cash after me the money. He's like, "Did you get it?" And I'm like, "I got it." And you have cash app. I got it because he had warned me that I needed it to complete this transaction. Mm. Like flashback to day one, I'm talking to Joe Ricky, and he's like, "You got cash app?" Because I'm trying to work out the details in advance. I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And then I went and got it later. I know, Mike. I don't know anybody that uses that. That's like a poor person's. Venom. Are you a 15 year old Latina? Like, <laughs> yeah. what are we doing? Like, I don't understand. Um, I understand that a lot of cryptocurrency people use Cash App. Apparently, it's easy to buy crypto on there, which oh, d- which cares. doesn't lend any credibility. That doesn't help to a ba- no. <laughs> to a banking app. Jesus fuck. Yeah, so that's the story, man. Uh, uh, good night, sweet prince. This you know, old gold has probably been crushed by now, and uh, well, it's I a feel Chamberlain sad about now. it. Aww. Yeah. You know, they probably tore out much of the interior, got that catalytic converter out of there, and then crushed all those rusty bits poor gal it probably like disintegrated into dust it just went mm-hmm. 191 thousand miles That's a it lot. had just recently crossed 191 on the way to philly i think i'm at 184 that's a lot too but you know toyota's they can go a long way yeah now here's part two car research mode. <coughs> so i'm crestfallen like honestly, it felt like losing a pet or something. It's okay. it's not like something you cry over, but it's like fuck, this really well, sucks. Yeah. You know, because there's memories attached to the car. It in, has memories in addition to Welcome its to utility. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, fuck, this is really fucked. The other thing is now it's fucked up my Christmas plans too. It's a really oh, late yeah. time to buy a plane ticket, by the way. If you're trying to fly to Cleveland and you're buying, it was already like I looked in early November. And Expedia and Mr. Delta looked at me and said, you stupid bitch. Mm-hmm. And I said, why is it so expensive to fly to a C-tier city in the Midwest? I think it's very difficult to get to Cleveland from New York for whatever reason. I don't know why. It didn't used to be this hard, but it's gotten harder. There's like no business that goes to Cleveland. No, you know what? Fair enough. That's very true. So, But yeah, you know, $500 later and having to leave from Newark... I'm pissed off. You're paying $500? Yeah, that was the cheap... For how long? The cheapest flight I could find was $500. I'm going there for four days. 
Okay. I was going to go for like 38 hours. And I was like, you're not getting $250 from me. The the best, I mean, if you're, you know, you're open to these weird shenanigans. If I was open to like flying in on Christmas Eve night and like leaving on Christmas day night. Yeah. You could I love get that in shit. and out for maybe like 250 No, it was three. Okay. I looked. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, well, the, you know, flights change. But so, yeah, I had to pay 500 bucks. I had to take an extra day off work because I have to leave on the Thursday before Christmas. No one's working it that week anyway. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, the other flights that I wanted out of JFK and LaGuardia, seven hundo. The fuck? Seven hundred dollars for the same to go to London. Ish. It's the same flights. price. Oh, it's cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheaper to go to fucking London. What? It's crazy. Is it because no one goes there? A lot of empty seats on plane. Well, that's what I thought, and then I got rooked. My plane ticket got $15 more expensive because when I went to book my return flight, you know, you have to select seats now. Oh, oh guess what? No coach seats available. You're in Comfort Plus whether you like it or not because that's the only seats left on this plane. Honestly, Comfort Plus is not, I'm not I don't I hate don't it. Mind it. I don't yep. hate it. I got an aisle Comfort Plus. Oh, I, I'm, I'm good. With, all that leg room. I'm good with that for an hour and 35 minutes or whatever that fucking flight is. So I wish it was a flight to L.A., but what are you going to do? Flight to L.A. is, again, cheaper. Mm-hmm. So I'm upset about the car. It's fucking up my Christmas plans. I, but I, you know, I had like an hour-long phone conversation with my dad a couple days after this all went down because I was like, look, Ron, I need you to talk me off the cliff. I want to emotionally spend right now. I feel like you should just buy a car. Well, I think I'm going to. I'm getting to this. You're not, you're not Pavo. You know, you do that saving thing. Here's which, again. I don't know anything about the problem. Is not the car. I can cash buy a decent used car. Yeah. Yes, I can do that. The problem is I can't get back on Ohio insurance, man. I got to take the New York hit. I got to take the real deep dive, which is oh, New York per insurance. month what my old insurance was. For half a year. Oh, right. It's actually more. Help Ron buy a car. I, he doesn't want to commit the insurance fraud anymore. He made that very clear. He's not. He's done doing that. Oh, fair. So the biggest problem is the insurance. Luckily for me, the accident that I got into when I first moved to New York, I fender-bended somebody on Broadway. And this fucking dumb oh, hipster right, right, right. Yeah. tattled on me like an asshole, even though there was no damage to their car at all. What a dick. Seriously. But um, that accident is far enough in the past that it doesn't affect my rates anymore. Because the last time I looked at this, like a year or two ago, I was getting like $400 a month quotes. And they were saying, oh, you don't have a car of your own, so it's as if you got into an accident in someone else's car and you don't really drive that often, like you're a liability. Right. That's all faded. So I'm back to like the average rate of a New Yorker. Uh, The best I could find was from Progressive. It's 190 a month. Yeah. Again, insurance in Cleveland was 150 for 6 months. Yes, correct. $300 a year. Yeah. So, and now I'm talking about an expense per year uh-huh. of $2500. Yeah. And it's like I don't do that well. You know what I mean? I am good at saving. I'm pretty good financially. <laughs> I can afford that, but I have to ask myself, okay, we got a budget. This is another subscription in other areas now, right? Yeah, which. Well, let's just cut to the chase. I'm getting there because, just prior to my car breaking down, my coworker had been in the market for a new car, and one block over from where I work, I'm not going to say the block because I do not want anyone else to get this deal. I found 
a Ford Escape hybrid oh. that's been on the street. This was in October. Huh. And I texted it to him and said, hey, you might want to look at this. It looks like it's in pretty decent shape. Like, my car has known problems, but otherwise I like it, you know? He didn't go for it. That car was still there. That car is now filled with rats. Hate to break it to you. It's not. It's at a mechanic shop. They only put it on the street when, during their business hours, and then they park it in a garage. Oh. It's very well kept. I've been to this mechanic shop and talked to them now three different times. We're getting there. Okay. So it's a Ford Escape hybrid. It's in really good condition. Uh-huh. I walk by it a million times, and it, I walk, I'm walking to work after the car breaks down. You know, Charlie Brown walking. Yep. Doo, 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 the, cl- the cloud is over doo, your head. Doo, yeah, doo, yeah. Doo, and I see it, and I go, wait. This was meant for me. I had an escape. This is an escape. This is in my price range. Like, I must be out of my mind to want another rust bucket escape, but, like, I kind of do want it. So I duck my head under the car. It's in, like, amazing condition <laughs> underneath compared to mine. It's a hybrid. I'm like, okay. that means when you're under 30 miles an hour, you're not getting gas ever. Right. I talked to one of my coworkers today who has a hybrid. They said they have never gotten gas in the city. So if you're not excluding day trips, you yeah. never have to get gas. Ever. Love that. Yeah. Which is insane. So I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, okay, I might as well just like go in and talk to them. First day I like talk to a guy. He opens the door for me. I check out the interior immaculate condition. He shows me the mileage. 87,000 miles. What the fuck? That's nothing. No, that's absolutely nothing. That's a classic. My retired dad drove this. And I'm exactly. And yeah. I'm like, okay, thanks for showing me that. So I'm thinking about it harder. I go back again. I talk to the guy. I'm like, tell me more about this car. You know? Yeah. It, it's a 2008. Okay. The condition that it's in and what it looks like. I thought this must be a 2014. My car was a 2011. It looks identical and it's a hybrid. So I thought this must be like a couple years after yeah. mine. And it's in such good shape. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. No. It's a 2008 with 87,000 miles. I, I get the VIN number. I think about it. And I'm like... Carfax costs money. I can trust these mechanics. They say the battery in it is new. They say it's one of our longtime customers. The only problem with it is that it needed a new battery. We replaced the battery, hence the sticker price. A battery is a hundred bucks. I'm like, do you have a Carfax? No, it's not. A car, a, a car hybrid battery is at least three thousand oh, dollars. They're okay. usually more like seven. Oops. So it's a it's a lot. I'm sure they put like a Chinese battery in there, but I don't give a fuck. Well, so. I'm like, do you have a Carfax? They're like, no. I'm like, can I take the VIN number? They're like, fine. So I take the VIN number. I pay for a Carfax. I pay fucking $70 to get this Carfax done. It comes back clean as fuck. This person lived in Oyster Bay on Long Island. They kept it in a garage the whole time, according to the mechanic. But based on the condition, I think they did. They drove it less than 6,000 miles per year, which is less than what I was driving. Right. So I just can't even imagine. They must be an elderly person. Yeah. They're the only owner. They Love bought it. it brand new Love it. in 2007 when it was a brand new car. Yeah. The battery is now new. It's in immaculate condition. There's The uh, maintenance record was nothing but uh, oil changes and past inspections until one record from earlier this year when they changed the battery when he sold the car. Holy shit. And I'm like, did I just stumble upon... Like the greatest you don't unicorn buy this car, of all time. I will buy this car. And get this. So I finally, again, I walk in today, this morning. Because I walk by it every day. Yeah. So I've been talking to this guy. I've talked to fucking... You're like, I don't know. I, I have get. talked to Johnny three times. And he's like, why don't you just... You know, yeah. I think he's like, why do you keep coming here? 
you want to yeah. like hang out here? We're gonna start kicking you out. Yeah. And you're like, so, no, I can't. I just can't pull the trigger. So I'm like, Johnny, listen. Is there any room to move on the price? And he's like, oh, yeah. If you show up with the cash, I think there's plenty of room to move. I'm not talking to the boss man, by the way. Yeah. But I'm taking Johnny's word for it, and he seems like a trustworthy guy. He's like, yeah, if you show up with cash, I think they'd sell it to you for, like, whatever. So I do the Kelly Blue Book value. It's in such good condition. This 2008 car is worth $7,500 fair market value. So I think I'm going to march in there soon and be like, I'll give you seven for this out the door. Why don't you do that tomorrow? Two hang-ups. One, the insurance. We've already talked about this. I'm still mulling this over in my head. I'm like, do I really want to pull that trigger? Pay all the insurance for the year all at once. I know, but that means every year, twice a year, I have to come up with like $1,300. It's like a lot do of money. Do tax time. Uh, maybe. I mean, I could also just save that. Like, I could do it. I know I can do it. Yeah. But there's other ways that that money can make money, which uh, this this is all giving me hesitation. Okay. Interest rates are high right now, man. I don't want to empty all of my investment and savings accounts because I'm making money every month doing nothing. Oh. It's kind of like not that worth it. I need Ron to give me a startup loan so I can pay a zero interest loan back affordably quickly rather than oh. take out a loan from a bank or whatever at 12%. That's usually what auto loans are right now. Uh, anyway. Setting aside... Don't you have good credit? Can't you just take a cash advance for $7,000? Well, the thing I thought about doing, this is a little nuts. That's also pretty shitty. I just got a new credit card with zero APY for 15 months. I thought about just throwing it on the card. I have a $12,000 limit. And this card's not $12,000. No. So I thought about, if they'll let me pay with a credit card... The thing is, when you buy a car, they even a cash deal, they don't often let you do that. Because I think if... There's something about, like, if they repossess it, it might, like, end up... Uh, back in the hands of the like dealer, or somehow be their problem. Like usually, you have to wire them the money. They're not going to let you pay with a visa. You know what I mean? Even uh, at a dealership, you can't really you can't really do that. No, that's why it has to be cash, cash. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure the ins and outs of that, but that's what I read. So the, you know, the, let's set the financials and the insurance aside. That's an obvious problem that I need to mull over. The second problem is, I asked them today, "Will you let me take this to Julio?" Will you let me take this to my mechanic in Brooklyn and let him check it out? You know, Julio's overpriced. I I understand that, but th- but that's a pretty typical thing. You know, it's called a PPI pre purchase inspection. I'm yeah. like, look, it looks good to me, but I don't know shit about hybrid cars. You're telling me this battery's new. How do I know that? How do I know? How do I know that there's not a problem with the electrical systems? I don't know. I'm very familiar with the body problems on Ford, but I still want somebody to check out this body and figure out. Yeah. Are we are we above board here? It seems like we are. But I I want that first. And they said, "No, you can't take it to Brooklyn." And I was like, "What if I found somebody nearby?" And they were like, "Maybe." So, I want the inspection. You're asking a lot for something that you're getting a huge deal. I'm going to I'm going to use my stern mad voice on you right now. You're asking a lot for something that is literally staring like a serendipitous like, you know, thing that's just like shine like you know when the clouds part and the light shines down like the beam of a thomas kincaid and this ford escape is just sitting there on the street glowing in front of you like you know it's a found item and rpg yes and you're like but i have some stipulations before i hit a to pick up <laughs> listen it's like listen you stupid bitch just buy the car damn god it, damn it you know what the other night re was like why don't you you're ask- obsessing and you should just buy the goddamn car why don't you ask some friends opinions about this she was like why don't you ask will and i was like 
Will is the the wrong person to ask, and this is exactly why. The guy that's like, hey, you know, money comes and goes. You want the fucking car. It's, it's sitting there in a beam of angel light. Just buy it. Buy the fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's why I never asked you about any of this stuff, because I know you're going to encourage me. Well, meanwhile, all this stuff that I just I'm saying, did the math. If you get Ron, it, just be like, Ron, send me seven grand. I'll give you $300 a month for the next however mu- yeah. much that is, plus the insurance that's $500 a month. You get a car and the insurance, and it's all done in two years. Like I told you, Ron's not going to do the insurance. The insurance is up to me. No, that's what I mean. But, yeah. But if you just... Uh, that's uh, that's why I did $7,000 divided by 24 months. Right. It's $291. Yeah, that's not. You can pay $291 to Ron every month. Oh, of course I can. Plus the 100 whatever the fuck for Progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine. No, I know. It's true. I am fine. So, yeah. You're walking around these streets taking public transportation as your only option like a little bitch. But here's the... I know. But here's the thing. The the, the pre-purchase inspection is not negotiable. They have to let me do that. Why? That's, That's completely typical. They are a mechanic. That's completely typical on used cars. I don't, but I don't know them. You know, I don't trust these guys. Why would I trust them off the street like that? If if I, you know, if I take this fucking loan from Ron and now I'm paying car insurance and a car payment essentially, and the fucking thing has a subframe problem six months from now, probably I'm shit out of luck. I need I need to take it to a third party and get verification here. If I got verification that you're probably fine for a year or two or five or six. We're talking something else, but I need that confirmation. I do need it. So, I don't know. I you think could, tomorrow I'm going to... You gonna... could call Julio and offer him cash to go to Manhattan and look at it. That was suggested today uh, by a coworker, and I think I will do that. Um, So. That's the only way that you're getting that. That's if you what... want it, that's the only way. You're going to have to grease, well, listen, grease it's, some palms. It's okay? in a neighborhood where there are a lot of dealerships. There's been a lot of recent developments today, right? I got to see if there's a Ford dealership somewhere on 12th Avenue. I bet there is. There's a lot of car dealerships there. Huh. If there is, I'm going to take it there. They're going to gouge me on the inspection. But it is what it is. And, you know, it, it, if everything comes back clean, I'm I'm back in a car before Christmas, baby. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah, what? that's why I'm like, you're... You know, and then this five hundred dollar plane. For ticket. someone who loves, you know, shooting guns, you're you're you know you're trigger shy, a little trigger shy here on this. I'm thing. just a responsible adult. This is all very typical stuff. Oh though. no, you got to wait until you know you waited in, literally until the wheels fell off. Yes, and then, but now you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to replace it. It's like no. Listen, you got to live the lifestyle of like I'm going to ride that shit until the wheels fall off, and then the next day I'm ready to buy the next thing. Wow, but here's the here's the problem, man. Like I said, I'm I'm a I've turned a new leaf with financial responsibility, and the timing of the car breaking was the absolute worst part. Because at this point in my life, everything's on rails. I have auto payment on everything. I'm good oh, to yeah. go. I have a bunch of cash sitting in a high yield savings account, making me you know seventy bucks a month doing nothing. Let me tell you something. Your first problem is had putting that shit on auto pay. You got to know when you got to delay a payment every now and then. You know. I never have to delay payments. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I sometimes never, you gotta do. I never sometimes have to. Sometimes you gotta de- do it. I never have to delay shit. <laughs> all my debt is taken care of. <laughs> all my savings is taken care of. All my investment is taken care of, and I still have fun money at the end of it. And guess what? I'm making money that entire time. <laughs> that's what. That's the engine that you don't want to stop. Yeah. This is where you're wrong. Don't you know. don't have an engine yet. You haven't decided to build it. 
I have an en- I have the schematics of an engine, and I think they're fun, <laughs> and I think it's actually a flying machine. So I don't, you know, I don't want to show that to anyone. You know. Oh my god, yeah, you're like that. You're like that old timey, um, you know, stop and go film of that thing that looks like a bird mixed with a like, helicopter, uh-huh. like falling it, off a dock. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the stage that you're in. I'm the Wright brothers, baby. I'm doing circles in the sky already, and I'm not trying to crash. So this is contingent on a lot of things. Ron, if you're listening, I know you are. You got to work with me here, buddy. I need the seven G's. I know you're good for it, and I'm good for it. Okay? Don't make me, Ron. Also, you. Also... Hang on. I'm speaking directly to Ron. Ron, do not make me stop making nice, sweet, sweet, high interest on my savings account. Please be a bro. I know the student loans are you, a thing. You but... don't even need to do that if you have. <coughs> if you have a new credit card. Do the cash advance. Don't be a little bitch. You know what, Pull the trigger. Too. I could do that. Cash advance is high interest, though. That doesn't that it, doesn't qualify for the bonus round. But it's probably fifteen percent right now. That's a lot. I could just get that's an not auto. Bad. Lo- I could just get in. That's a lot of interest, Will. No. I could just get an auto loan from Chase for twelve. I looked already. Then do that. That twelve percent interest? No, I'm not paying interest. You know how student loans are, right? It's the interest that gets you. Yeah. That $8,500 principal becomes thirteen grand really fucking fast. Yeah, the $6,000 I paid for the federal that is still Mm $6,000. Yes, I'm aware. Um, That's what I'm trying to avoid. You got to understand, man. Yeah, but then, you know, all at once, you know, around tax time, you just wipe all that shit out real fast. No, 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 no. The tax goes right into the Roth IRA. That's how we use that return. Oh, so, no. This is why your net worth is negative. You're a peasant. Stop it. Live fast, die young. Bad girls do it well. Oh, my God. Well, now we know what song's going to play before the after show. (laughs) (laughs) You know. So, anyway, that's my car stuff. uh, That's all I've really been thinking about. I think you just have to accept that, you know, you're never going to retire. We're all going to die in debt. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. No, I'm not going to accept that. Remember when I was talking about Bitcoin a couple episodes back? Well, look where I am today, baby. We are up, up, up. I made a good decision there. No. And you got left in the dust because you don't listen to me. I, you don't listen to me for financial advice, and I don't listen to you for life advice. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I that's the, that's, that's the dynamic mistake. here. Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> mistake, but hey. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, it's all going to come crashing down one day. And everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, my, what do you my fake money. And I'll like, be like, well, I didn't have any. The so. whole like fiat currency system. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to hedge into Bitcoin, man. That's what I'm doing here. No, I think that'll come. You think it's all going to go? Yeah. You think it's all going to go? I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. If Russia cyber attacks us and you know the, the, the web goes down. Trevor introduced me to a fascinating novel that I really want to read called The Mandibles. It was written in 2016. It's about a wealthy family and uh, their struggles in a speculative future that takes place from 2019 to 2035, I think. And the entire book is real, really economic focused, like in the background. It's like a future America where like inflation is out of control and taxes are risen on the young specifically to keep paying for Medicare. Things that are like very plausible. Uh, Hispanics have become the majority in the country, so there's like a Spanish-speaking president, and like most things are aired in Spanish, and English becomes like kind of a second well, language. Very interesting to me. But so if you know if that's the future, which I think it is, I'm trying to position myself to like be at least a lower level poor, oh. and not a complete scrap heap like my old gold. <sighs> I'm not trying to get crushed. By well, immigration and inflation. 
I'm trying to be like, I'm one that I'm okay. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. I have a little bit of Bitcoin. Please let me participate in society. Yes, I've gone on Alex Jones style rants. Yeah. Have I said some slurs in there? Probably. Yeah, that's right. But you know what? Ding my co- social credit score for that. I'll show you that I'm a good boy and I don't want to have to pay higher interest because I said the F word once. <sighs> well, once? If that's the case, yeah. <laughs> then, then I'm in real trouble. <laughs> wow. Oh, my. So anyways, that was 40 minutes of car. Yeah. I mean, I have more material. Are well, you sure. feeling are you feeling up to talk about stuff or are you well, feeling sickies? Well, did you ever see Russia? Oh, no, Ed Rougay. No, I yeah. did not see it. Oh. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. I yeah. like didn't mind it. Didn't mind it. I thought I was like I was like I don't need to see it. That's kind and of the general vibe with and at the end shows. Of the, I I didn't mind it. Well, what I realized in walking it, I was like, you know, I think what I hate most about MoMA in general, right? Like, is that they gotta they gotta do it their way. You know, it's the Burger King of museums. They're like, well, we have to tell the story the way that's meant to be told. And you're like, what if you just, you know, cool yourself? What okay? if you were just a museum that like gestured towards objectivity instead of an agenda? Maybe it would be better. Well, they they want to tell the like linear narrative, right? Which I like. generally yeah but if there's a drawing from the 70s that says i don't want no retrospective that should be the first thing that you walk into that'd be pretty cool yeah but no it's hidden and tucked away because we don't want to talk about it but we have to have a cheeky wink and i'm like i see okay no you got to walk into these ugly like lumpy paintings and then you know i love lacman fire it's a great painting oh yeah great painting i mean i think there's educational value to the chronological order but there's no reason you can't have like a prologue that's a little cheeky. Yeah, yeah why not? I, books have that. Yeah, all I, books have that. You give a little summary before you get into the linear narrative. Yeah, like, yeah. and this rubs me the wrong way. Don't put the wall vinyl on the one eighty wall when you get off the elevator bank. Hate it. Oh, so you see an artwork first, and then you have to turn around. No, like you, you know, there's that stupid gift shop. Oh, the gift on shop. six, yeah, and then yeah. you're like, okay, the doors, and then you're like, which way is the front? But because MoMA has expanded in weird ways, they do want you to go up the escalators now. Mm, okay, and I'm like, so they want you to enter through the gift shop. Truly, yes, yes, and exit through it. Actually, mm, no, you would, you would miss exit. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Enter through the gift shop. Welcome to Ed Rouge. Yeah, um, I don't know. There's some interesting stuff. He does some like Trumploid nonsense that's really cute. Is that later career stuff? Early. Early stuff. Interesting. Yeah. I would like to see his early, early work. They're bad. I don't know it. They're very chunky. There no. are some really good like stencil drawings and stuff like that that I really like. There's some like late, some super late stuff that I was like, ooh, sexy. Mm. Um, like an airbrushed faucet with like airbrushed red water and blue. I feel like I kind of remember this show. What? I feel like I've seen that at Gagosian. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Looks like this. It's really good. That's a great painting. It's dumb oh, as fuck. But wow, that looks like your painting. Yeah, that's, that's what Ulrika said. She's like, yeah. "Are you mad about this? Because some some of mad. some of these things are things that you would do." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, maybe." Like, I love that. Oh. It says artists who make pieces in quotations. Right, as in Reese's pieces. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> um, 
but like I th- I love this. PCs. Um, Ooh, that's the title of app. <laughs> Artists who makes PCs um, won't. Yeah, it I mean, looks like a cutout. Like I was like, is that cut out? And then I was like, oh no, it's a drop shadow. That's so sneaky. You know, now that you're bringing all this up, I feel like Ed Ruscha would be kind of a re- revelation to you. Not in the sense that you didn't know who he was, but I mean, come on, that's yeah, funny. fat boy. Well, it's like a, a on like the a bomb, strip you know? mall. No, it's like a factory. Whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, wow, you like... and Julie Langsam, why don't you guys have a party together about how much you love Ed Ruscha and different elements of his work that you stole? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Hey, we're all guilty of it. I'm not slacking We're all the stealing board. shit, you know. Um, it's just stuff that you're just like, did I steal that or is that just like a dumb idea? Like, I, it's that kind of thing where I'm like... You know, what do you do with dumb ideas? And, like, the thing that I, like, always have quibbles, like, you know when he does that, like, typeface that's just, like, angles of letters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hate it. I'm like, why Why you give up? Why is it just tape? You know? Well, we have to give Wendy White a career somehow, eventually. Do to me. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. Anyway, I'm feeling bitchy when I'm sick. I yeah, hey, why not? Let's go in. Uh, whatever. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. The... It was interesting. I was like, oh, some. And then there's one that I looked at too fast. Ulrika posted it where it says like mile, but I did a sideways glance and I was like, does that say MILF? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she put up her hand and covered. She's yeah, like, yeah. oh, it does now. And I'm like, ha <laughs> uh, I'm like, see, that's a better painting. Um, I don't know. No, that's just it's a new. That's just a newer painting, right? Like, yeah. The, you know, if the newer if, ones are just kind of bad. If a millennial or a Gen Z person decided to rip off Ed Ruscha, which I'm sure they're doing on Instagram somewhere or TikTok, uh, they would just do MILF paintings with like buildings on fire. You know, hey, why not? Well, I mean, like, yeah, I don't think it's super generative, but you, you again, it is like first thought, best thought, go with it, mm-hmm. and like, what has one person done with it? Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, worth it. Uh, Picasso and Mama was uh, pretty good. Oh, it was. We we talked about that, and I feel like we slagged it because it was all the, like, neoclassical paintings. Is uh, that it's a, not true? It's a prelude to. Oh, interesting. Okay. He's, like, getting there because it's earlier. Really? So, he's working his way out of cubism into that weird, into some weird stilted freaky, yeah. form? Uh-huh. That but could be kind of cool. The drawings, I think, are really good. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's where, like, you know, every Brooklyn illustrator... Mm, that gets mm-hmm. tapped f- to draw restaurants and menus steals oh, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never but, had a problem with Picasso as a draftsman. I mean, it. You know, I it, mean, this is a beautiful drawing. I was like, "Ooh, look at that stupid city in the background." Yeah, that's weird. It's great. That's got like De Chirico kind of mixed with like, uh, gosh, who am I thinking of? Like uh, almost like 13th century. Uh, Pre Renaissance stuff. It's Matisse. It's got it's that. Cut out. It's got that space of those medieval paintings where the castles, like the figures, are more or less well rendered, oh. and then the castles and the like a duccio. Nobody figured out perspective and atmospheric perspective yet. Yeah. So the backgrounds make no sense. Meanwhile, the figures are like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, a duccio. Yeah, that's yeah. a good example. Yeah. Like that. It's fine. No, that's fun. Like, that's great. I was like, ooh, it looks like the plates that come later. That's good and weird. They're very decorative. Yeah, they do feel like illustrations. Yeah. They feel like designers made them. Like, the worst hands known to man. Love it. And very baby with Andy no face. Warhol. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, I, I liked it. I, it was not, again, generative, 
maybe the the little drawing. I was like, love that. I don't know. I feel like you're not giving it enough credit. It sounds pretty generative. Uh, it sounds like it's got like your gears. For, I mean, for I don't know, like as like a project. I'm like, I don't. I didn't learn anything. I was just all of it was together all of a sudden. You know. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, I was talking to one of my boys when we were on the cabin trip. He was uh, asking me about the newest painting that I posted, you know, and um, everybody's always curious about, like, what the subject matter is because I've gone farther and farther away from, like, letting that be known. Yeah. And, you know, I told him or whatever, but I, I, I kept trying to emphasize to him, like, he's like, your paintings always look, like, really unique to me, even, even if I don't know what the subject matter is. Well, you know, he's yeah. not an artist okay. in our in our sense. Um, but I was like, yeah, man, I, I guess I don't really look at art so much anymore with the idea of taking anything from it. Hmm. I, endo- I enjoy just, like, looking at it and analyzing it for what it is rather than, like, what I can do with it. And I, I, I mention that because it sounds like that's reflected a little bit in your experience where, where you keep saying it's not generative. I think w- what you might mean... I just, I just mean the idea of the show was not... I was like, I don't know. This isn't giving me anything. You well, always, you always want to take something away. You know, right. you want to take a little. Okay, I mean, maybe I'm going on a tangent Whether here. That's I, like, I, I know, get what you're, I get what you're throwing thought, down. I yeah. just, th- I just feel like shows as a gestalt as a whole uh, rarely ever do that. I mean, sometimes. I, I think the like Picasso or sorry, the uh, Cubism and Trump Loy show was kind of yeah. generative to me. That was like a novel idea to collect that stuff with that kind yeah, of focus. Yeah shouldn't be it's very obvious but it hadn't been done before it hadn't been done so i don't know i i know what you mean like overall you're not like leaving thinking yeah about picasso in that era no. or about ed ruche as a whole or no. whatever but uh, uh, what it sounds like you're also saying is that you're not leaving with like necessarily any new ideas of your own about what to do with your right life. you're just sort of looking at it and going here and there, that's nice. Um, clever. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. bad. Oh, you know. Yeah. You, you leave with these little snippets. I mean, I feel like that's more like an art critic or a writer's voice. Where you're like, I could pick out the four or five elements of this that I thought could have been emphasized more that would have right. made a better thing. Yeah. I think that's maybe how I like, I don't know. Lately, when I see things, I'm like, listen. If you got to get me back into goddamn Manhattan on my day off, so help me God, you know, like, fine, I'll do it. But like, I don't know, MoMA, I just realized I was like, God, I hate this place. It was actually like love, fairly empty, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'm so like the weight of modern history, modern art history is so in this place and the attempt to do that, that I'm always just like, well, of course you're doing this fucking Picasso show. And of course it's like trying to thread a, thread a certain kind of needle. And I'm like, eh, I don't know who needed it, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'm like, Ooh, what a cool, like little drawing that I haven't seen. Well, can you I, know? can I throw out, can I throw out a very uh, spacey idea? You're throwing Kevin Spacey out? Um, yeah. I'm, Yes, I'm okay. throwing prote out with the bathwater. Okay. Um, I think that the project of modernity and the idea of progress has been under has been under assault for long enough 
that it being sold to you in the form of a ticket to MoMA feels false somehow. Like the project of the Museum of Modern Art was kind of a futurist project, right? It was a contemporary art museum before there was such a thing. And then it very quickly became a conventional art museum about a certain period of time that still carried a lot of relevance. And the underlying theory was a progressive theory that um, art movements and individual artists build on one another towards like some kind of collective utopian goal. That's their project. I'm not saying you agree with that. I'm saying I think that's what they're trying to do. But when it's 2023 and you're kind of like, I don't know, for the last 22 years distinctly, but for the last six or seven years even more distinctly, is that happening? Like, are we still engaged in a progressive project of history that, like, unfolds with a clear trajectory into the future that gets better every day? I don't think anybody experiences that. So even in something as, like, low stakes and lightweight as aesthetic enjoyment, you're not really, like, you're like, okay, the Ed Ruscha is in chronological order, but what future is this? We're in his future yeah, of, and it ch- sucks. Of, of cheap jokes and pop art, and it's cause, and nobody likes it. Yeah, or everybody likes it. Too many people. And, like it's, it. and it's just like, right. you know, you have TikTokers saying, I'm spending a day going to the Gagosian, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, because they think of it as like a set, you know? I was yeah. just having this conversation at work today about a certain shows at a certain place, and it's just so obvious when people come in with like almost entire camera setups and like different outfits to take pictures in front of certain artworks that it's like, yeah, you've managed to make this take off on social media. But is that really the same thing as Jackson Pollock in 1950? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like groundbreaking in a way that's both uh, commercial and cultural and and valuable aesthetically academically intellectually whatever you want to say yeah uh, i don't think so no and moma is entirely catered towards around taking it's very cynical actually they're taking a narrative that started out as very earnest that was about a kind of utopian vision and a progressive vision and turning it into a cynical thing that's like this is um this is mostly about driving demand <laughs> It's an asses and seats and, problem, and then it's you know? demand. It's de- it's this weird, it's this weird reverse nostalgia where it's like demand for a project that isn't working and never came to fruition. Right, like strange. I, I I don't know what I mean. It's always I was funny. Like we were gonna leave, and I was like, oh no, we're on two. We have to, you know, just walk through contemporary to see what disaster they've decided to put up now. Mm-hmm. And of course, you walk in, and the first thing is, uh, Pink Panther. Oh, yeah, Jeff Koons. Well, he, he's a great introduction. That might be a kind of meta joke on the part of the board members of well, MoMA saying, We saw these, like, doors up. with, like, baseball bats leaning against them, and we're like, mm. okay, that's pieces. That seems like pieces over there, you know? And then we're like, ha-ha, that one, though. That one, that one I get down with, you know? Which is terrible. Like, I don't, I'm kind of like, am I more, like... I think I'm just getting older and getting like, I don't know. I don't like the conceptual art about like systems and uh, what's it called? Like uh, surveillance in the next room. I was like, I don't care. We know this stuff already. Like 
I know that, like, in the early aughts and the 90s, it's like, oh, my God, the government's, like, looking at your shit. Isn't that wild? And it's like, yeah, the rest of the world, they made that very clear. Sweetie baby. And now we have the Internet, so we all know. Well, I don't know. David Sally said a thing on a podcast one time. No. That was, uh, I thought, very astute and very interesting to me. He said, you know, the current mode of art is like a documentary mode. So it's gotten more about, like, recording your identity. It's gotten more about, like, recording systems. You know, the art 21-ification of everything. Right. Where it's like things fit into more or less, like, neat categories of description. Um, And that, you know, I don't want to be... overly pessimistic that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing but i think that's become a bad thing where like you're looking at bats leaning against the door and then you're like i don't understand this and well, then no you... i just know it's a heavy-handed metaphor and i'm like i don't care and, and, right but then you go and read the label and it's like about native american heritage or something i don't know what it was it doesn't matter it's just it's just a for example it's like but it's not though like, I know what I'm looking at, yeah. and it's not giving me anything. Right. So when everyone's trying to document things all the time, and then it takes the form of, like, ham-fisted and, uh, frankly, just bad, like, lazy... Conceptual Conceptual pieces. Yeah. You're... Nobody's happy. No. It doesn't look any better than just being on the street. Like, just being on a New York street is aesthetically more interesting than Bats Against the Door. Well, it tells me you know? more about the human condition. Absolutely. Like, just being a thinking person than trying to interpret something. That I'm like, well, I know it's a heavy-handed metaphor about race and, and class, I'm sure. Do I care to inquire more? No, because I can just step outside and see that. Well, when I Whatever. say that, when I said before that, like, the the observation that we're in a documentary mode, that's the trend doesn't have to be a bad thing it's like it doesn't have to be a bad thing there's plenty of good documentaries whether you're talking about film or whether you're talking about art there's plenty there's ways of doing that that are incredibly interesting and like illuminating and fulfilling um but when just being on the street is more illuminating about the human condition than the art pieces that you're seeing the documentary function isn't working yeah right and at the same time the idea that you're trying to make a progressive utopian futuristic aesthetic which is the whole drive of modernism is not only like not really being engaged it's being like purposely put in formaldehyde in the form of the retrospective upstairs yeah you're kind of like okay so the future the futurist mentality is frozen in amber that's in the past and then the contemporary mentality is well let's make documents that are really going to resonate with people and they don't what are you left with i think i think you're left with like a series of incentives that don't really add up to art anymore yeah it's just not exciting well it's because there's not a diversity of perspective ironically Mm. i think i mean the a lot of the perspectives are just like well i can make a lot of money you know, with sad, sad story. Well, that's the perspective. Like, because that's also what the conceptualist. This is why, like, I think, like, any new <coughs> PCs that are in the in the in a con- <coughs> conceptual mode are not actually conceptual wor- works themselves. They are just stylized in a con- 
conceptual art style. Yes. And that is not the it's conceptual art is having a painting problem. Yeah, it is. And I'm like, do you guys know that yet? You you think he you think he had how do you think he people? Well, I wonder if anybody will come along and kind of crack that code that yes, conceptual art is a stylization in the sense that a Sam Francis painting is just a stylization of a genuine innovation in the form of, you know, first generation abstract expressionism, right? Yeah. And and it's a good product if what you're trying to convey is that I am a serious person with serious intentions that wants to make a lot of money. That's a weird contradiction. That's I don't... a great painting of like someone like standing up and going Mer! and saying that. But yeah. well, I mean, just read Michelle Welbeck's "The Map and the Territory." I mean, it's primarily about an artist that basically makes the painting you just described. Yeah, uh, he makes history paintings about people being snobs. Well. And unfortunately, what like contemporary art on the second floor at MoMA has turned into is a clownish version of what should be a a paint sorry there should should be like like, a revelation to things you know ideas being you know recontextualized for you you know by a a maker right by an artist like there's something that that their thought process should be illuminating right yeah and when you're like no shit like we all think that and it's like well i think i'm thinking of it my way i'm like Again, Burger King, baby. I don't care. Well, I think of it a little differently. It's not like, no shit, we all think that. It's like, what about the people that don't think what you think? That's why this work makes no sense. It's addressed to such a narrow audience that it's like, yeah, sure. If you've gone through uh, many layers of academia, if you're relatively wealthy... Uh, yeah, you all have the same opinions as everybody you're around in. When you walk into a room full of bats leaning against doors, you're all like, yeah, duh, it's about Native American heritage. That's insane. There's so many people that would never make that connection because it actually doesn't exist. I don't think that's what that piece is about. So I, I, I'm but, thinking of the other room, but just no, to uh, be clear, uh, but, but to for be, clarity for on But end. to be clear, it doesn't really matter. What I'm right. constructing is like a hypothetical idea of stylized conceptual art. Right. I'm just using a callback to what we already well, talked about yeah i'm i mean I it doesn't know. the thing is it doesn't matter what the intention of the artist was or what their intended subject was that only makes sense to a narrow audience right and there's plenty of people that don't think that yeah i i guess i'm like maybe wondering if i'm like you know can we have something a little more poetic again not beauty not like that thing from a couple weeks ago where like i thought it got to be pretty I'm like i don't it doesn't need to be pretty but I need some poetry, you know? I need to tap into something greater than just one's own point of view. Well, yeah. I mean, there's something I think about a lot, which is like I, I, in life, I think people get the mistaken idea that they're supposed to be happy. But happiness and fulfillment are not the same things. And right. people tend to conflate those kind of things. And I, and I think in this conversation, when you're talking about like beauty and poetry, I think people tend to conflate those kind of things, too. Um I agree with you that mostly what I want is something poetic. That would be the fulfillment in the analogy. Um, and most poetry is annoying as fuck. I, well, it's just not a form that meets the time, much like visual art is not really a form that meets the time right. because it's not uh, that entertaining. So, sure, I mean, it can be beautiful or not. I don't really care. But I, the the idea that people are making... 
I think know. I'm looking for speed bumps. You know, I want something to make me stop and think and not already go like, oh, there's been thinking done here. How how clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I want something to be like, what? what? And I'm just not, nothing's really giving. Same thing, like, even we can go back to Picasso. Nothing's giving me a speed bump to think about Picasso in a different way. I'm like, huh, this is right before he was feeling re- a little fashy, you know? Yeah, well, are you sure about that? I mean, that's enough of a speed bump to me. I mean, if I saw a piece of contemporary art that gave me the idea that, wow, this person's like working through some really complicated ideas about whether or not they still believe what they thought they believed, and they might actually be like a MAGA person, to to use a contemporary analogy, that might be some really interesting fucking art. But guess what? There's no avenue or no room for that because the people in charge of incentivizing hordes of people to come through doors. Who's that dead Florida guy who had that show at Cogosian? have no interest in alienating people. Um, I don't know. Ashley Bickerton? Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there is... That's there's, the one where you're like, ooh, Florida man got money. Oops. There's visible struggle in a Florida man's work, yes. That's cool. That's good. He's he's struggling in, in all sorts of ways, and he's like, my tax shelters. Whether like, oh. it's to your taste or not, or whether you think it's beautiful, you can not deny that Ashley Bickerton always had poetry. Yeah, and it's not always like on the side of history that you're like, ooh, I'm comfortable with. You're like, oh. Oops. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's not a bad thing. Mm. Like an Ashley Bickerton retrospective at MoMA could be very interesting. Polarizing. Even in their dumb way. But yeah, yeah if they had any interest in taking any risk, but they don't. No, because you got to get the S's in the seats. Yeah. They learned the lesson that... They learned the lesson from the Whitney Biennial, as previously discussed, that we are not going to do that. We're going to stay in our safe little lane and make our $30 tickets every every day. And no one's going to leave mad. You know, except for all the board members and if you get stabbed. Well, it's a whole can of worms, but I don't know if you watched any of the testimony of the, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, college presidents of Ivy League universities were dragged in front of Congress. Oh, why? And meant to justify their policies. Uh, Because uh, colleges, especially elite colleges, have been... um, really weird on free speech issues oh, and yeah. really weird on admissions issues. Mm. So Congress was like, explain yourselves. And they completely humili- humiliated themselves. And I only bring it up to say that like the same people with the same sensibilities are also in charge of arts institutions. They, ca- they haven't quite learned the lesson that like you want the commercial success, but you also want the moral success, and you kind of can't have both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to play a cynical game with art, at least do it well. Like, there's artists that do that well. Um, why can't you? At least learn that a little bit of bad press is also good press. It's a thing, you know, as old as Tutankhamun. What? Are you retarded? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? have a controversial show that people are going to bicker about that's actually good for asses and seats yeah. and the people that show up to protest are actually good PR for you because um, then we got to see it's it. shocking you know? that they haven't learned this lesson because they're afraid of yeah. activists or something it's, it's weird it seems like we should be beyond that it's the only museum where someone got stabbed you know I think in the next couple of years they'll probably figure it out Hey, interest rates are on the rise. They're going to have a hard time making money when there's an actual recession, well, and they'll stop with the pretense. I promise you. I would love to... See, i got to go back and see what they showed in 2010, 2011. Well, exactly. I mean... Because 28 crash, 
or 2008 crash. Mm-hmm. That means money lost, but you know, shit's playing two, three years out. So what was on the dock in 2009, 2010? Oh, believe me, man, they'll get with the program. I mean, the people on the boards of museums work for pharmaceutical companies. It's not like they're inherently moral. It's just that their philanthropy is the way to, uh, you know, yeah, massage you're... their guilt. Yeah. And yeah. eventually that'll stop making sense to them. And they'll get on the same page as a lot of other people, and things will get a little bit better. Mm. But it's it's lagging. Oh. Academia and art are the the most lagging indicators of culture, which is an insane indictment. I'm also realizing we don't have that many like private art foundations besides the Brant Foundation. No, there's plenty of them. Well, there's a Mont, the Brant, Glenstone, yeah, but that's not here. That's in Maryland, outside of D.C. What's the one above Lehman Maupin? What? Oh, the hill? Yeah. That one's shitty. Nah, listen, man. Th- it's too th- small. There's, there's plenty of them, but that's just a dollar. But it's and not like thing. a Pinot Foundation, you know, no, where it's like no. a huge hall. No, no, no. You know, mini Versailles. That's what I'm looking for. I want a full townhouse full of shit. I want a frick, but like younger. Well, when the people that go to Bohemian Grove stop worrying about what the plebeians think, oh, well. we'll get some change, which is, it's coming. Okay. But it takes some time, you know? Mm. I don't know why they care about us so much. That's the thing. People get really conspiratorial, and they're like, oh, the elites, they're running the whole, it's like, but they care a lot about what we think for no, I mean, stop caring about what we think. Really Just good. do whatever you want. Yeah, you then, should you be the leaders. Like organizing, and then the guillotines come out. You know, the French do it every well, you that's know, six st- years. That, you know? That's the problem. The only reason the guillotines come out is because people stopped organizing the show. Mm. That's why. When the elites get a little decadent, and they're like, we don't need to manage the plebs. Well, Now look who's in control. You don't want the plebs in control. It's anarchy. You guys need to get your heads together and be like, no, the Danish Schultz painting of Emmett Till is actually good. Go fuck yourselves. That's what needs to happen. I'm sorry, but it's, it's fucking true on like every level. Oh, God. Well. Anyways, we can stop right. whenever you I want. Think, I think it's time for after show based okay. on that. Yep. <laughs>